Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, one full hour, one more hour going up to the wonderful day on KMOX. Let's go Blues. Blues playing tonight. Yes, as Mr. Kelly mentioned earlier, we have home improvement questions and answers. 60 full minutes coming up here. Phone lines uh, galore, 800-925-1120 or 314-436-7900. The local number, 314-436-7900. And anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We have phone lines wide open for you. A very patient Joseph. Joseph, stand by. I'll get to you here in just a second. Uh, And indeed, my name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. We are a design-build remodeling company. We are uh, 72 years old. I'm a second-generation builder, old carpenter. All this stuff that I'm sharing with you, I've messed up many times so think of me as having uh done the time done the mileage done the experience i've done the deed you know so now i kind of you know i I, i've messed it up so many ways there's only the right way left to do it uh yeah anyway mosby building arts is the company i'd been requested a few times last hour for the number the phone number of mosby building arts for a very long time is 314-909-1800-909-1800 you're welcome to call for a referral of other companies uh, we are licensed architects we have a full construction company we do anything residential remodeling related from multi-story condo buildings we're comfortable riding up and down elevators although sometimes impatiently uh, and then as well uh, for any kind of detached home or apartments whatever we've been at it for a long time we've done just about everything uh, even industrial and commercial over the years so the experience is there and the employees have the experience to handle it uh, we are uh, considered a full service remodeling company very much attached to the vision of my father Sam Mosby the founder of this company of design build that if there's something wrong don't point at the other guy uh, as a client, there's only one company. That's Mosby Building Arts. We are both the designer and architect, licensed for that in the state of Missouri, as well as the construction contractor, and we kind of self-perform our own work. So we subcontract uh, very little by uh, reference of others. We are not the classic general contractor with a few people that subcontract everything and and physically perform very little uh, we're the opposite of that we have a ton of carpenters we have a full painting crew we have a licensed architect we have a licensed plumber a licensed electrician all this on staff vertically integrated because i measure and, and we measure ourselves by on-time completion uh, we're we're actually we're down to about 93 percent on time completion uh, been up around 95 percent other times so that goes up and down but in a real-time measurement we actually have the tools and equipment to know that uh, and it's it's a big deal that's how we measure ourselves uh, and, and it's very important uh, certainly to you so by having the ability to design specify products pick products uh, consult with colors finishes textures look desire functionality Uh, we talked about curbs on showers at the very beginning with mark in hour one Uh, accessibility is a big deal 
uh, we're all getting older, whether uh, we want to admit it or not. And frankly, uh, there's a better time to handle that stuff while you're younger, more capable, a little more patience and more willing to have a company come into your home and make that house accessible for the next 20, 30 years. Uh, so anyway, that phone number is 314-909-1800, 314-909-1800. Don't mistake, I'm here because I love to help. That's kind of the shtick. That's who I am, what I am. Um, some 20 years ago when I got on the air, I was terrified. I can't know enough to answer these questions. But you do. We have pros running around town all day today, um, part of Mosby or not part of Mosby, and they call in generously offering professional answers. You might have your own answer. We, uh, Frankly, for all the people that are buying their first homes, they need this show. Yeah, yeah, here's the number, 314-436-7900. Yeah, that's the one. Hey, Scott, how do I do this? How do I do that? We had a great question uh, on the undercut of under a door. Uh, also, you know, how far do you cut a door when finishing my basement? That's a valid question. That's an important issue. It's only important when you get it wrong and you can't go back and fix it. You only get one shot at, well, you know, buy another door for $200, $250 and then install it, paint it, put the heart locks it. So, yeah, it's just costly to fix that stuff. Those are all things that we at Mosby wrestle with, talk about, and decide up front. Yeah, you know, or not, if you don't. Uh, let's go uh, right to, uh, let's go to Joseph. Been very patient. Uh, fire up the phone. Hey, Joseph, thank you for waiting. Scott Mosby, at your service. How may I help you this afternoon? Yeah, good morning or afternoon. Um, I probably have messed up more, as many things as you have over the years, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. uh, I do some repair work and the like for uh, a woman who owns some rental properties and stuff. And she recently bought one, and I needed to put in bulb holders into closets. And I took took the old ones out, and lo and behold, I discover aluminum wiring. So, hmm. you know. I had to go over to the hardware store and pick up the grease that you use to put copper to aluminum and the purple wire nuts and all that nonsense. Uh, But I'm wondering, do you know of any place that sells electrical supplies made for use with aluminum wiring? Um, Not really, and here's the math on it. Aluminum was used only for a few years back in the 70s, uh, unless it's a big gauge, you know, 10, 8, 6, you know, when you get into service entrance cable or, you know, putting in a, you know, because that's when you can tighten those big wires down with a big Allen wrench and you can get the torque on the nuts to connect it. It's fine. Uh, And they make the connectors, aluminum connectors for aluminum wire, copper connectors for copper service entry cable and all that. Uh, But when you get down to duplexes, switches and what you and I know as devices, uh, frankly, we've gone back to copper so quickly that there's a very limited market. So uh, the devices that are suitable for aluminum are very rare, very expensive, and not widely distributed. So frankly, I wouldn't know where to look. Uh, Typically, the commonly accepted uh, industry practice and code-approved method is using those purple 
uh, UL underwriter lab, you know, basically blessed by the authorities that it's safe. So the home inspectors see that when they pull open a box. A building inspector sees that when they pull out the box. Or the tradesman uses those purple connectors to bridge a copper pigtail to the aluminum wire in there using that commonly approved thing. And then you're back down to a dollar outlet instead of a $6 outlet if you can find it. Because generally, those $6 outlets only have the purple part built into the body of that device anyway so yeah uh, you're better off just uh buying the three dollar purple nuts and getting her over because you've got many more choices in devices if you want um, anything other than white or brown devices you're back into a standard non-aluminum device anyway so if you have any kind of requirement aesthetically on different colors or special fixtures you're back into the purple nuts anyway yeah that's what i did i did the pigtails with the purple nuts the aluminum Oh, it's maybe 12 gauge, maybe yeah. a little bit bigger than that. Uh, but that stuff is really stiff, so it's pretty hard to work with, unlike copper. So, well, they know. may some some of these uh, good old boys on DIY back when you know if if 14 gauge is good, 12 gauge is better. If 12 gauge is good, 10 gauge is you know you get heavier and heavier wire. Uh, you can create a new problem of workability that you know if. If this wasn't a professionally wired house, they would oversize that wire. And generally, when you do aluminum, you know, because of the temperature range, you go to one gauge higher anyway. So uh, you're... That's good yeah. to know. I, you know, I mean, it was kind of... An, it was the first time I'd encountered that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. who knows? I guess I'll get on the Internet and look around. You know, there's probably somebody on the Internet selling these kinds of things or whatever. But we've got to put in some switches and... Uh, we were going to put in a motion detector and a couple more things. So, you know, I guess you're right. $3, $3 uh, purple wire nuts versus three-cent red wire nuts, you know. Right. Oh, well. And, and, Joseph, don't miss this. If you're going to put in any uh, – here, here's how the pros handle that. Uh, anything new, we run a new circuit, a new copper-based circuit all the way back to the breaker because uh, technically you can't legally mix – a copper wire so if you're going to add a device to a circuit you own that whole circuit and that whole circuit has to be changed to copper well but you know who's going to do that so basically any new electric we add on a mosby remodeling project or any kind of a licensed electric we'll just run a new circuit all the way back to the home run box you know and, and get her done with all the properly approved stuff it's actually less costly than ripping open the walls of anything you know and then you know putting that in drywall finish paint uh, tile what you know countertop whatever it is so i would urge you to separate your new added stuff and put those on new circuits and the old stuff leave well enough alone because there's nothing wrong with them if you use the right approved things but if you mix you know six feet of copper on a home run uh, aluminum in number one what's the right gauge because you're oh, going to yeah. mix you know it, it, that serpent has multi heads so i'd leave that baby alone and just run your own you know controlled new circuit of new copper devices and wire yeah sounds like a good idea thanks for your help okay joseph good luck my friend you bet 
All right, bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. So many things to talk about here on University of KMOX. Hey, listen, I also want to remind you, there is a seminar on lower levels coming up next Saturday. I know you'll miss this radio show for that, but, you know, we can run some KMOX in the background. But it's on lower levels, October 27th at the Lodge de Pair. You'll need to RSVP. uh, That's at callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y, callmosby.com. And it's on lower levels. When we come back, we're going to talk about removing load-bearing walls. I promised that in the first hour. Uh, And frankly, uh, we're into October. Folks, if you're expecting anything done from a remodeling or building contractor, uh, you're almost out of time to get it done by the holidays. Yeah, even by Christmas or Hanukkah, you're going to have a hard time getting it in by December. So uh, unless you just don't do the design part, that has its own problem. So, you know, like ready, fire, aim or ready, aim, fire, please give yourself time to design, select, choose, pick out products, all that. My point being in that you need to get on this horse, get going. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, CamelX, at your service for you on University of CamelX. Right back for more after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, wrapping up Hour 2, lunchtime, KMOX, you bet. Grab your peanut butter and jelly, your favorite grill, whatever it is, and we'll just have lunch. Uh, put a few shrimp on the barbie. Yep, bean time, bean time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like food. <laughs> Anyway, phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free anywhere on the globe, I promise, 800-246, or no, 800-925-1120, 925-1120, I was going on the Helitech again, well, that's a good one, 246, yeah, whatever you can say there, 800-246-9721 is Helitech. It's a secret. We'll talk about that later. Hey, I talked about removing load-bearing walls. Uh, if you're trying to figure out, just on your own, if you don't know how to choose, decide, or judge a load-bearing wall, don't remove it, period. That's it. But to kind of do preliminary design, you know, discuss with you and the spouse what wall can come out, how to make that kitchen view connect to the family room or connect that front living room with the kitchen, remove that wall, might be load-bearing. If there's a beam underneath it in the basement, generally you can go downstairs in the basement, you can see either a steel beam, it might be wood if you're in an older home, but posts, there'll be something those posts hold up, a big something, hunk of something, could be wood, generally it's a steel I-beam, and it'll run the long ways of the house, usually the long length uh, from left to right as you typically face the house. And then the wall up on the first floor will stack right on top of that steel beam, and it might be 8 inches off the beam. Or, or 18 inches, but there's a you know you have to be pretty close to that center bead to transfer the load up to the second floor or the roof, depending upon the age. Uh, so that's important. Also, you have to go up in the attic and figure out: Do I have a truss roof? Um, now, those are those pre-engineered things that have metal perforated uh, steel plates that are press plated to join the two by fours or two by six, whatever those members. So we stick our head up in the attic. We first decide by truss. Uh, generally at Mosby, we look at the age of the house because before the 70s, trusses were not very common. They were mostly what we call stick built, which means carpenters took a big pile of lumber and framed the house up, including the roof structure, attic structure, roof sheathing, and all of that. 
Um, then the cost of lumber got higher and higher, cost of labor got higher, and they started prefabricating those trusses. Trusses now span typically from the front wall to the back wall, which are the most common load-bearing walls. So if you have a, a gable roof, and that means you have a triangle on the end, left and right, you know, triangle, the gable is just a two-slope roof, um, shingles on the front and back, usually. Um, that that center wall, whether it's a truss roof or not, generally carries some sort of load if it lines up over the steel beam. If you've got steel beams that offset or perpendicular down in the basement, you need a structural engineer, a professional engineer, PE, uh, somebody who's trained, licensed, and certified in knowing what they're doing. That's why we have architects at Mosby uh, to train the rest of us in knowing these things. Uh, but if it's over the top of that center beam, you can count that that is a load-bearing wall. Not only on the first floor, if you have a two-story house, the second floor is usually uh, considered to be some sort of load-bearing. It may not be a structural wall, but if you pull that second floor wall out that lines up over the beam, you wind up with excessive truss sag, or the professional word for that is deflection. You and I know it as sag. Sometimes you'll get into an under-designed floor system and it bounces or you walk through the room and all the glassware in the china cabinet starts chinking and chingling and making that noise. That could be a properly loaded wall that's just right up to the maximum allowable span of the wood. So they took they and value engineered it so that all the china bounces in the cabinet. Or you just go up to the next size floor joist and you make it stronger and you limit the amount of bounce, sag, or professionally described deflection. All right, enough of that. I'm getting tired of this. Surely you are too. Let's go to the phones and let's talk to a very patient Victor. Victor, Scott Mosby here, KMOX, Hour 2. How may I help, sir? Hi, Scott. Um, a friend of mine and I are getting ready to uh, get involved in a, uh, uh, putting up some cultured stone for a, uh, for an accent wall in the front of my house. Mm-hmm. And, okay. uh, and, and, and he said that he thought that if there was tar paper up there, that, that would be sufficient moisture barrier. Is, that, is he correct in that? Because he said he thought. And I thought that the, my, personally, I thought there was a special moisture barrier you had to use when you use stone like that. Uh, yes and no. Uh, typically, uh, two layers of 15-pound felt has been the proper amount of backing for cultured stone veneer. Basically, you're putting stucco on the wall, and then you're sticking this cultured stone veneer. Now we've, and that's okay in either Florida or Canada. There is now what's called a drainage plane, which means a ribbed air passage that if moisture comes from the inside of the house migrating from the house in or to the exterior or from good old you know St. Louis humidity you know what close feels like if you're in St. Louis here the moisture in the air inside the wall cavity has to get out so we want that moisture to be able to move through the wall cavity and it'll hit the back side of that felt paper and if there's an air pocket, then the moisture migrates out and drains or dries itself. So there's a ribbed uh, Tyvek. Many of these uh, WRB weather-resistant barriers, uh, house wraps, have this drainage plane. So just think about, make sure there's enough of a gap, typically behind that 15-pound felt, the weather-resistant barrier, Tyvek, whatever brand you choose, but make sure that any moisture coming from the backside of the wall, can get out, drain, and dry. 
that's a new concept because you and I come from the world of, well, it gets rain and snowy and we need to keep the outside wet from getting in. That's not what kills us. It's the inside moist trying to get out. How's that? Okay, so and, and that product is called a drainage plane and, and it has to be ribbed? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that in my opinion, before you put anything up that will certainly take moisture through it, cultured uh, stone will get wet and it'll transfer that moisture right into the to that uh, felt paper. So right, uh, right. behind that felt paper, you know, don't put uh, furring strips horizontal or whatever. Make sure you've got an up and down avenue path. Just just get on the internet, type in drainage plane. You'll find out more than you ever imagined. Thank you. God bless you for asking this question because Thank you can do you, a great Scott. job on the cultured marble and still shoot yourself in the foot from, you know, quality and <laughs> I mean, that you can blow away concern. a lot of good that money fast. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Thanks for the question, Victor. Great topic. And in St. Louis, man, you just can't get away with it. You've got to let it dry from the inside out as well as letting it dry from the outside in. Thanks, Victor. Next up, let's see what's cooking. Hey, let's talk to my friend Doris. Hey, Doris, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hi, Scott. I appreciate your program so much. I learn something every Saturday. So I have a question about my attic. We are trying to, it was was like a story and a half, and we had never done anything upstairs. And now uh, my husband's mother is probably going to come live with us. And so we're going to move upstairs. So one room I want to use like a craft room. It's about 500 square feet. Mm -hmm. And so originally I was just going to put carpeting, but then I thought I would really like a wooden floor. But then if I don't have heat or air on all the time, you know, then that everyone tells me that's going to be an issue if I do hardwood. And since it's up in the attic, I don't want to hear noise, you know, down on the main floor. So my question is what your recommendation would be. Would it be carpeting to use? But if it's a craft room, I just thought the other wood would be so easy to clean up. It is. Um, And you're in um, competing missions here because anything that's a hard surface floor in a craft room is easy to clean up. Staples, needles, pins, whatever. Uh, However, carpeting or a soft padded anything will be immensely quieter. Uh, So you've got two completely different uh, tools, one a hard floor, whether it's vinyl, ceramic tile, hardwood, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's going to be noisier and those heels um, are going to I'll sound through it. to the first yeah. floor. They are. Um, okay. Now, so one other issue, probably, yeah. Doris, I might rain on uh-huh. your parade here. Uh, forgive okay. me. I okay. would say two-thirds of the story-and-a-half attic finishes we get into can't be done because the floor structure is insufficient to carry a second floor. They're not usually built that way without substantially fortifying or strengthening the now attic ceiling joists uh they're made to hold up a ceiling and not hold up furniture you and me and walk around so uh, i urge you to get a professional engineer or architect involved before you get too far along here because i've seen 20 40 60 80 thousand dollars invested in some of these story and a halfs only to be ripped out when a home inspector comes by 20 years later to say they finished the second floor and it is not suitable for occupancy so, oh, beware. Oh, dear. 
All right. Well, it's good I called you then before I'm too far into this. Yeah, we've get okay. we've been thrown out of many houses where we come in with that answer and they say, "Well, the other three guys didn't say that." It's like, "Well, yeah, but you know, they'll have their 20, 40, 60 or $80,000 before you figure that out." Uh-huh. Okay, could I ask one other question about the basement? Sure. Okay, so uh my grandson is living with us right now and he's showering downstairs. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's not turning the fan on. I've got some mold that's starting. I'm a basket maker, and some of my reed is getting moldy. Mm -hmm. I don't see mold other places. So I encouraged him, you know, put the fan on when you're in there. Is there, I have a dehumidifier down there. I've always had that. But is there anything else I need to do? I'd put a fan down there. You've got the right things going on. I would, number one, at Mosby, we put a timer on the fans because, you know, I leave the bathroom after seven minutes, but there's still another 30 to 60 minutes of drying out to do. So I would put a timer on that bath fan so he can turn it on and let it, you know, dehumidify while he's gone on to whatever his next life part is. Number one, I love your dehumidifier. You're doing that right. But leave the shower door open, leave the bathroom door open, and frankly, make sure you get enough moving air because if you don't blow some air into that shower or bathroom, it won't come out, and therefore it won't necessarily intersect or be dried out by that dehumidifier. So a simple box fan downstairs, uh, either to dry out that bathroom or just to move the air around your basement so that dehumidifier uh, gets to dry wet air instead of just sit over there by itself drying dry air. You you follow what I mean? I do. Just like a big mix master up in the kitchen, it's all the same uh, laws of physics. Uh, Move the wet air past the the dehumidifier and it'll dry you out. But again, my scrubby dutch, my neat nick stuff, I like to close that shower door, but that's where the black stuff comes from. And, uh, you know, there's some post treats. He can spray a little bleach in the shower as he comes out. You know, little things like that. You know, an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. Okay. All right. And I told him wrong because I said leave the bathroom room door shut you know tell the everything so leave the door open with the fan on yes ma'am now doris what what you're by leaving that door open you've got air going out of the bathroom then you've got air coming into the bathroom through that now open door and since there's more moving air it's taking that moisture away and outside the home if you'd close that door, it only gets to little bite-sized chunks of what will come under that door. So by leaving that door and the shower door or shower curtain open, you'll get a better uh, drying from that bath fan. Okay. All right. That's what I needed to know. And thank you for the info about upstairs. Yeah, beware. Okay. I've, I've, I've seen some big chunks of money wasted on people that, well, he said it was okay, but he didn't get a permit. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, we've started it on our own, and so now you made me think, oh, we better do this, get the building inspector guy here. So, okay. Yeah, just a home inspector can generally do it, architect, professional engineer, uh, just get somebody knowledgeable in there to make a judgment. Uh, because the other thing that happens is even if you don't break everything up or, or doesn't fail, you're going to have cracking drywall because what I was talking about, deflection and flex and bounce, and all, it's just too much, and you wind up you know, breaking the ceilings on your first floor because you're just overloading them up in the attic, so. Okay. All right, Scott. And you do, if I call your office, you would come out? Would you come this far? I'm 50 miles west of St. Louis. 
Oh, yeah, we would, but there's also uh, professional engineers that uh, can do that for you as well. It's a fee-based service to come out and do that for whomever it is, frankly. So uh, just be aware, you're you're having a pro come out and give a professional uh, opinion, which then really has liability, which then means there, you know, there's going to be some sort of a charge for saying yes, no, good, bad, or ugly. So, yeah. Okay, so a professional engineer is who I need yep. to get. P-E. Okay, Scott. Thank All you. Right. All right, Bye. Doris. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, Kim Weck, Scott Mosby at your service. Phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I'm in rare form, man. I'm doing long answers here. I love doing long answers because there's usually a lot to the stuff we talk about. So forgive me if I'm going on and just, you know, uh, hang on. I'll get to the next calls here soon. Um, I love being here. Did I tell you that last week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll take a short pause. Be right back for more right here on University of KMOX. Oh, I was doing the moonwalk. Yeah. yeah, it's not as pretty. Yeah, there's, it's radio. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, Samantha. It's, it's radio, Scott. They can't see you doing moon. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, hey, hey, we've got a few more minutes here. Stay tuned. A big afternoon at KMOX. Going to go the blues tonight, so root for the blues. That's what we do here on KMOX. Next up, go to the phone lines, and let's speak with Barbara. Barbara, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help you? Hi, Scott. Nice to talk to you. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I've got a problem with my uh, guest bathroom. It isn't used a lot, but... All of a sudden, it seems to be flushing all by itself, and uh, I don't know what's wrong because I'm certainly not flushing it. And uh, it doesn't flush completely, but it sounds like it, and the water waves a little bit. And so I had a plumber out, and he said it was a clapper, so he replaced it. And it seemed to help for a while, but then it started doing it again. So then my brother replaced it again. And it helped for a little while, and then it started doing the same thing again. So I'm wondering if I need a whole new toilet. Well, not necessarily a whole new toilet, but a whole new guts on that, or or the whole flushing mechanism. Uh, Two different things. Number one, the flapper was the first choice, the plumber. Uh, Changing the flapper, frankly, for the cost of the labor and the visit, I I would have advised you change the flapper and the entire flush mechanism inside the tank, because I think that the flapper got most of it, but you might have a little bit of a problem with the flapper on the bottom. It deforms, kind of falls apart, drains a little water, out of the tank and then it get the water you know level drops and then properly you know the fill valve says hey we're almost out of water let's put a little more you know so then it starts running on the refill uh so but the truth is that they both kind of wear out about the same time there's a spring in that refill mechanism that as the pressure changes in the neighborhood uh, so, you know, night to day, the PSI of that water supply coming to your house goes up and down. It's not a problem on a, a, a suitable, you know, relatively new flush mechanism, but that spring wears out, you know, just like uh, we get tired after time. So the flapper probably was part of the problem as well as the whole fill mechanism, so the toilet. So I, frankly, once I got a toilet there, my request would have been, can you just change all the stuff inside that? tank and you know make it all new and and sometimes uh you know the the aftermarket repair parts aren't quite as good if your toilet is so old that you know the 
the the old toilet doesn't get along well with the new parts, then you may be in a situation of of toilet. And, and many of you out there listening, it's like, well, my plumber said I needed a whole new toilet. Well, that's kind of the wisdom because sometimes you pay the plumber wants to do the flapper wants to do the guts and then the third time to change the toilet so you know when you're saying well my plumber just changed the whole thing he just ripped me well he didn't rip you off he kind of sometimes uh limited the investment cost that you know it was going to take you to get this done so yes you could get a new toilet uh but you know depending on your willingness to spend several hundred dollars you can also rebuild the you know the flush mechanism and replace that in there too barbara i guts. Is that right? What's that? I need a whole new inside guts. Yes, ma'am. That's kind of the drill down on the whole thing. It's, uh, you know, I mean, the the cost to get a plumber or handyman there is more than the cost to fix the toilet, you know. So once you get them there, you know, run them hard. (laughs) Well, do you think my brother could replace that? Oh, yeah, I think so. If he knew enough to to, uh, do the flapper, I think he'll tell you no if he can't. But, uh, again, now here's my thing. Do you know what brand your toilet is? And it'll be written right there. Uh, I'm uh, not in there. Uh, just a minute. Um, well, it's not important which one. The point is, is if you get OEM original equipment, in other words, basically if you have a Kohler toilet, you get a Kohler rebuild kit. Those tend to work better than, you know, like a Fluid Master, one size fits all. So that's where you get into the new toilet. If you have an American Standard toilet, get American Standard parts, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that would be great. Well, thank you so much, Scott. That's been a big help. All right, I was Barbara. I was going to have to get a whole new toilet. <laughs> Not usually, but it's it's directly related to the experience of the repair person. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. You bet. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Who else has been waiting? Let's get to Ruff. How about that? Russ, Ruff, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hello? Hello. Yeah, is this Ruff, R-U-F-F? Yeah, Russ. you were talking about heat pumps the other, uh, a little while ago to Bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, that technology's come a long way. There's, there's heat pumps that work down to minus 13 now. So. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. The inverter technology is fantastic. Wow. So uh, has That's it gotten into the split systems yet? Yeah, it's a mini split. You've heard of that term before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the mini-splits today, I mean, the technology, uh, some manufacturers can go down to, you know, minus 13, and those machines run pretty good. Wow, those will cover us here. What's that? Those will cover, minus 13 generally covers St. Louis, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, uh, they've migrated north uh, very well. The technology is very reliable. Um, There's a lot of manufacturers out there that do very well in that market. Okay. Uh, what is a mini-split? Just to, uh, to explain to people, we've got somebody who knows something that's going on. Explain well, what a mini-split is. You have and you have your outdoor unit, just like your central system. Mm-hmm. Okay? But it's more personalized. So you have one uh, unit controlling one room. So if you have a sunroom or a bonus room, those type of applications are great. But they're doing more and more uh, whole-home applications every day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the help. I, now I am... Sure. Uh, Dutifully, different styles, uh, different varieties. There's all kinds of them. All right. Thank you very much. Very quiet. And you're welcome. All right. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Bad for more after this on KMOX. 
Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, home improvement wrapping up hour two. Stay tuned, more coming up on KMOX all day. Let's see if we can sneak in Barry, see what's cooking. Barry, Scott Mosby here. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. Are you there? Hey, hey Scott, I enjoy your show. Keep Thank up you. the great work, please. Thank you. Hey, I got a question for you when you were talking to Barb about the uh, toilet. Yeah. Where, where the water inlet comes into the toilet, there's like a, on that uh, fluid master. Yeah, the bottom a, of the tank. Yes. There's a little uh, washer in there or a rubber piece, in other words. Yes. And back, back in the day, I don't know if you remember when Essen Hardware was in business. Sure. And Essen told me, they said that will... That will be the only piece that will ever go bad as far as, you know, on on the fluid master. They told me, because I had a problem where the toilet would, you know, f- would start running water. Yeah. And as soon as I replaced that flu- that uh, washer thing, uh, I had no more problems. Wow. Wow. I mean, it was well, just a possibility. I wasn't trying to tell you your job or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, those of you doing rebuilds on toilets, make sure you check that rubber washer on the fill valve. Usually the vertical pipe coming in, so that's the part that goes right through the hole on the fill water supply. Right on. Hey, Barry, thank you very much. That's news to me, my friend. Thank you, sir, and I do appreciate your show, and I hope you didn't take offense to me suggesting that. But No, no, hey, man, that... I, I learn on this show just like you do. This is the best gig in the world. This is a good trade. <laughs> well, I always make time, and if if I you know if I can take a portable radio with me, I do and listen to you. Oh, thank you, thank you. From one Camwex family member to the other, I give you a big hug. How about that, brother? There you go. Thank you, Scott, and please keep up the great work and have a great week, sir. Thanks for the help, Barry. Bye now. Thank you. KMOX Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Remember, we've got a lower-level seminar coming up next Saturday. Call Mosby.com to RSVP. Find out more about that. Also, we talked about load-bearing walls. Beware, get a professional, or it lines up usually over that beam in the basement. So stay tuned. So much happening here on KMOX. I will talk to you next week. This is Scott Mosby, KMOX. Stay tuned. The Let's go blues. <laughs> right here on KMOX.